Man, it's great to see you. This is a great time of year. Friday night was incredible. Uh, so many ladies up here and men serving. It was just a beautiful kickoff to the whole season. And today we start the um, first of a five-week series uh, that we're calling the Carols of the Season. And, uh, you know, I thought, man, I'll put Carol Burnett up there. Probably fourth of this group doesn't even know who that is. Uh, uh, times, have, times have changed for sure. Hey, right quick, I tell you uh, something Pam and I do, uh, do um, every Christmas, and I say this now because, you know, you get Christmas cards and everybody appreciates Christmas cards. What Pam and I do is we have a, a, a basket that all of our Christmas cards go into. That basket happened to come from Ghana uh, when Rob and Libby were there, and uh, we so it, it reminds us of uh, the ministry going on in Ghana. But what we do is we take our cards, and uh, each morning at breakfast, we'll take a card out, pray for that particular family, and then we'll put it back in the back. And so by the time the year's uh, gone through, uh, you know, we're, we're praying for people uh, several times. But it's just a way to remember people throughout the year, and, and um, many of those are Set Free Alliance cards, and, and which we appreciate uh, very much. So welcome to the season. How many of you, this is your first Christmas season in Texas? Anybody? Okay, there's some. Um, Isaac, don't you love putting up your Christmas tree and your lights and your shorts and your T-shirt? It's a, it's a great thing. Um, we, uh, Chris has done such a great job of setting a festive tone up here. We appreciate that, and, and we kept the AC down, so you'd think it was, I think it was that way, and uh, so that's kind of the way it is. In 1818, December the 23rd. There was a guy by the name of Joseph Moore. He was the assistant pastor at a small parish church in Obermdorf, uh, Austria, called St. Nicholas Church. And uh, on that particular night of December 23rd, he was walking home, and as he's overlooking the village, he stopped, and as he stopped, he, he had this poem that uh, he just wrote. And so he, he wrote out this poem, really feeling like it was from from God, and, and uh, God had given him this poem, great thing. Well, the, the way the story goes is on December the 24th, the next day, that night, they were supposed to have their Christmas Eve service. Just so happened that the organ went out in the uh, church there at St. Nicholas, and uh, they were trying to figure out what can we do to make sure we have music, that it's festive, and all that's going on. So what, uh, what Joseph Moore did is he went to their music director, who, who, uh, whose name was Franz Gruber. And he went to him and he said, the organ's out, what are we going to do for Christmas Eve? He said, I've got this poem. He said, is there any way you can come up with, with a tune to go with this particular poem? And Franz Gruber played the guitar and they came up with, with a song and that was the first time, December 24th, 1818, that the song, poem that became a song called Silent Night uh, was, was sung. Probably didn't sound exactly like we sing it today, but the lyrics were the same. And and uh, and what happened was, is there was a eventually a singing group came into that church that traveled from village to village, and they heard this song. And they heard of this song, and they eventually took it. It went all over Austria, and then obviously it's made it here today. And it's a song that we sing uh, all the time, and we sing it at uh, especially at Christmas Eve services when we light the candles and you drip wax on our chairs. We we. Uh, it's always great, and uh, but we all, Silent Night is a great song. And all of us know, we're not going to sing it right now, the, the, uh, the worship team will lead us in just a moment, but Silent Night, Holy Night, it's a great start. I mean, I can just see the inspiration in that. 
But then comes the next line. The next line is this. All is calm. All is calm. Now, I don't know what was going on in Joseph Moore's head that night. Maybe he's looking out there. Maybe there was snow in Austria. Maybe it was a beautiful uh, pastoral scene that he's looking at. And maybe it was calm at that particular moment. But in 2017, can we sing a song that says, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm? I mean, some of you, your life is so jumbled up that you can't even begin to think about that. And we're thinking, man, was Joseph Moore off his rocker? Was he, was he drunk or something to come up with a song that said, All is Calm? I mean, can we even sing that today, that all is calm? And then we go to Isaiah chapter 9. And in Isaiah chapter 9 is a prophetic word from Isaiah where he talks about the coming Messiah, the one that's going to come who we know as Jesus. But he said he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And then he says this, prince of peace, prince of peace. And we all say, yeah, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Okay, all is calm, Prince of Peace. Last week, North Korea sends another nuclear test up, and uh, we're on the verge of war with North Korea. Uh, a couple of months ago, a shooter in Las Vegas kills over 50 people. Prince of Peace, all is calm. Last month in Sutherland Springs, real close to here, over 20 people were killed. All is calm. Two weeks ago, in Egypt, 300 plus are killed in a mosque. All is calm. Not to mention the division that's in our government or the, the homes that are splitting apart, the, the, the stuff that is going on. And, and, and uh, some of you with health issues that you're dealing with or some you've had a death or whatever, and, and we're going to get up and say, all is calm and the Prince of Peace has come. See how hollow that sounds? I don't, I don't want you to feel just terrible all of a sudden. I'm going to build you up. But, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Can we really say all is calm? In fact, I read an article that said out of the almost 4,000 years of recorded history of the world, there's only been between two to 300 years where there is not recorded war taking place. It said about 8% of all recorded history, only 8% of that time was there not a war. And there's been 8,000 plus treaties that have been signed and been broken through those years. And so today's talk is on all is calm Maybe, this is my thought, okay, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll see where I'm going on this. Maybe we've missed what calm and peace really is. I, I think that everybody in our culture wants the absence of struggles, right? Don't we define that as peace and calm? Is that when everything's smoothed out, there's no ripples in the water, when the kids are perfect, the job is perfect, there's plenty of food, there's some savings, all is calm. The health is good. All is calm. We define that as calm in our culture. But I don't think that's what Isaiah was talking about when the Prince of Peace was coming. Because Jesus came at a time that was very chaotic. And so 
I, I want you to look with me at Romans 5, just a second. Now, that seems like a strange place to go during a Christmas message. But at Romans chapter 5, and if you're new to the Scriptures, I want to help you a little bit. The first four books are called the Gospels, and they deal with the life of Jesus, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection. Acts deals with the history of the church coming into existence. And then from there, the rest of the New Testament is letters that were written by various church starters and these kind of things. Most of them were written by Paul in the first century. And Romans was one of those. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, I want to read it to you, and then we're going to unpack this just a little bit to see, um, see what it says to us today in looking at this all is calm. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, what's the word? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then over in Ephesians, you don't have to turn there. Let me just share this with you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, For He, Jesus, Himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one, he's talking about Gentiles and Jews, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And so it's saying that there's this division that exists. Now, Here's what I want you to understand. Paul is talking about peace and Jesus himself is our peace. And the reason that Jesus is our peace, and you've got to get this, is because we have a hard time understanding that because of our sin and our brokenness that there's a hostility between us and God. I, 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 was, I, I, I don't manuscript out all my message, or I manuscript them out earlier, and then I try to outline them when I come before you. But I thought, man, this is good. I want to read this that, that came to me, and I, and I want it to make sense in thinking about this division between us and God. It says this, These verses make it clear that mankind has an unfixable dilemma. Man is separated from God by sin. God is holy. God is just. There's no hint of blemish in Him at all. On the other hand, we are unholy, impure, selfish, deceitful. God will eventually eradicate all that is sinful. This uncleanness has put a wall up between us and God. And man has been trying to climb that wall ever since. He's done it through good deeds. He's done it through religiosity. He's done it through money or fame. And then, when that wall cannot be scaled, futility sets in, and man tries to run to something to numb the pain of this fatal brokenness. He runs to materialism, knowledge, substance, impure relationship. So many today are seeking peace, but are always coming up empty. You understand what I'm saying? Because of sin, we're separated from God. There's this hostility, this wall, dividing wall between us and God. 
And the problem with our culture, I want you to hear me, we have a hard time believing that we're broken. Seven, seven billion people on this planet, and one of the hardest things in the world is for us to understand that we're separated from God by this wall of hostility, and Jesus had to come to separate that, to, to make sure that that divide was bridged. That's why he came. So, here you go. This is something we're tweeting, what I'm about to tell you. And this is the whole message that I want you to get. You will never know the peace of God until you know peace with God. You will never know the peace of God until you know peace with God. So many people are wanting life to be comfortable and to be calm and to have no problems and just take away all my worries and my anxiety. Make me healthy. God, be Santa Claus. Just do everything for me but not to understand that we have a division between us and God. And until that peace with God is established, we're not going to know the peace of God. So what I want to do is I want to share with you just five things on the peace with God. What peace with God? I want to use the Romans 5 passage for you to understand these. So I encourage you to take notes, mark in your Bible, do whatever is going to help you to to walk out of here with, with, with a new thought that's going to help you out in your walk with Jesus Christ. Number one is this. Peace with God, which is through Jesus Christ. You understand, that's why Jesus came, is to bridge this divide between us and God. Okay? And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, I want you to get that. Peace with God brings complete pardon. Complete pardon. In other words, it's not like there are certain sins that Jesus crucified brought forgiveness for but there are some that are just so bad i just cannot go before god he cannot handle those i want you to know it's complete pardon i'm telling you if somebody who had let's say somebody had an abortion and uh, they've dealt with the guilt and the stain of that and in their past it was there they come before christ lord please forgive me i lay this before you I, i i receive what jesus did for me at the cross And then let's say years later, they come back before the Lord and say, Lord, do you remember that abortion back there? He said, that's been done with. It's been done with. Or maybe it was something else that you've tried to hang on to in your past and you're thinking, oh, this is too big. I've got to carry this to my grave because I know Jesus forgives me, but I still got to carry out the penance the rest of my life. No, 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 no. Complete pardon. Complete pardon. How how can you not truly love a God who offers complete pardon to you. There is nothing, hear me, there is nothing so big that you've done in your past or that you're currently walking in right now that He will not completely pardon. Nothing. Nothing. It was said that during World War II at the completion, especially of the, of the war in the Pacific, that in many of those islands that were there that were Japanese soldiers that were on many of those islands... And the war came to an end, but because they were hidden out in such uh, remote areas, they didn't know that the war had ended. And so what they continued to do on those islands is to hide out in caves and live like they were still at war, even though peace had already come about. I think many people, and many of you in this room, may be that you're living life like that right now. God has offered complete restoration and everything through the cross of Jesus Christ But we're wanting to live life in such a way that, oh, God, I can't give this to you. I've got to cover this. I've got to walk this out. It's my burden to bear. This is the way it is. 
instead of understanding that he has complete pardon for you. That is peace with God. Complete pardon. Here's the second one. Peace with God restores your purpose. Peace with God restores your purpose. You see, there, there are a lot of people who just don't know why you're on this planet. You're thinking, oh, if I get a good job, if I get married, I have kids, this is what I'm supposed to do, this is my purpose for life. That's hollow. I mean, it's great to have a wife. It's great to have kids. It's great to have a job. It's great to, to have these things. But really, that's why you were on this planet. Our Creator just put us here for those reasons. No. Our Creator put us here. God created us so that we could bring glory back to Him. And what happens is, is because of that wall of hostility that we don't have peace with God, we lose what our purpose is. We don't know why we exist. So we just keep going along and going along and going along. And you talk to people. And, and how do most men define ourselves? We define ourselves by what we do. Because we think that's all we were created for. When God created us for so much more. And what happens is, is when that bridge, that wall, dividing wall is finally down and we have peace with God, now all of a sudden we start understanding, God, I was created for your glory. The world doesn't revolve around me. It's not all about me. It's not about all I can consume. It's about how I can point people back to you and live a life that brings you glory. Albert Einstein, who most of us know about, uh, the, the brilliance of Albert Einstein. One, one particular time he was on a train journey and in the, in the car that he was in, it was super crowded. There was every, everybody sitting in there. And, of course, there was Albert Einstein. And everybody knew who Albert Einstein was. And they were kind of looking and they'd whisper, that's Albert Einstein. And the ticket collector came in. And as the ticket collector comes in, he's getting tickets. And he looks over at Albert Einstein. And Einstein's doing one of these numbers. You know, and checking out all of his paper and checking out everything. And, uh, and uh, the guy comes up to him and says, oh, Mr. Einstein, that's okay. We know who you are. And Albert Einstein looks at him and he says, I know who I am too, but I don't know where I'm going. I think that's many people today. We know who we are. I'm Mark Westerfield. I'm, I'm a, a pastor at Central. I'm Pam's husband. I'm, I'm, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. And, and these are just things that I... Listen, I'm a child of God that was created and born again because of Him, and I reflect glory back to Him. That's my purpose. And I don't want that to sound so trivial, but I can be laid off my job or you guys could fire me and I can still bring glory to God. So peace with God restores our purpose. Thirdly, peace with God is permanent. Uh, notice, look back at, at Romans 5 there just a second and look in verse 2. It says this, it says, through whom, this is through Jesus Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And that's a permanent thing. In other words, it's not like this. Let's say you come and uh, you were a teenager and you said, Oh, Lord, I give my life to you. I, 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 you know, Lord, I'm yours. I, I receive what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I am yours. And then all of a sudden you, you mess up somewhere in your college years, okay? Uh, you, you messed up or young adulthood, or something like that. And then you're thinking, oh, I must have lost it. I, I, must have, I must have lost it somewhere along the line, or I really didn't have it. You know how you go through all that doubt, and you go through those struggles? And, and it's almost like this. Watchman Nee said this one time. He said, he said a man came to him and said, man, I just, my relationship with God, it just, 
I, I, I'm not sure. I've, I've got it together. I'm not sure what's going on. And Watchman Nee said, you see that over there? He said, that's my dog. And he said, uh, he said, my dog is obedient. He never makes a mess. He does well exactly like I ask of him. That's my dog. He said, in the kitchen over there, he said, is my infant son. He makes a mess. He soils his diaper. He's, he's always, he's not doing what I tell him to do. He said, I ask you this question. Which of the two will inherit what I have? It's not the dog. It's the one who is my son. He said, are you a son of the living God? But man, that's good. I wish I'd have thought that. <laughs> but that is a great thing. It is a permanent thing because we become his children. And what's interesting about the Greek language, which is much better than the English language and on some of the, the terminologies that it used, where it says that we stand in this grace, what it is, it's, it's two word pictures that the Greek has here. The first one is this. It's the introduction into royalty. It's, it's the picture of, of somebody ushering somebody else into the presence of royalty. And you see, that's what Jesus Christ does on the cross. He came and He offered to us. And when we by faith receive what He has done for us, what He does is He ushers in us into royalty. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's what He does. The second picture is this one. It's the picture of ships that have been battered out at sea, but they finally are welcomed into the harbor where it is safe and the, and the waters are not all choppy and they're not getting buffeted about. That's the second picture of the standing in the grace that God has for us. We have been brought out of a world that is totally against us into the safe harbor of who God is. See, it's permanent, folks. You see, that, that is where the struggle comes in. I'm not giving you a license of, oh, man, I've given my life to Christ, now I can live however I want to. No, 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 I'm not giving you that license. I'm just telling you that it is a permanent thing that God has established through Jesus Christ. His peace with God is permanent. So you're with me so far. There's, there's five of them. Peace, peace with God brings complete pardon. Peace with God restores your purpose. Peace with God is permanent. The next one is this. You're not going to like this one. Okay, so like the other ones, you're, you're not going to like this one. Peace with God does not mean absence of pain. Peace with God does not mean absence of pain. Paul has just said, you know, we also glory in our sufferings. And sufferings brings perseverance and perseverance hope. And he says this, he's, he's basically saying, listen, you're standing in grace, but it doesn't mean the absence of struggle. You see, this is where we struggle. As Americans, every time we had a pain, we want to get rid of it. We want a pill. We want a substance. We want something to take away this pain. We don't even know how to grieve in our country because it's painful and we want to get rid of it and we act like nothing happened. No, 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 no. I'm going to keep it out here instead of embracing the way it is. And, and, and so we, we, we equate, we equate uh, peace with no pain, but peace with God does not mean the absence of pain. It means it will still be real. I mean, some of you really do not like this season. For some of you, it's a first. It's the first maybe after a divorce or the first after a parent has died or the first after a spouse has died. And for, for us to stand up here and say, all is calm, all is calm, all is peaceful. All, you're thinking, no, it is not. It is not. Some of you have lost a job. Some of you are going through health issues that weren't there last year. And all of a sudden, I cannot get up here and say, oh, man, just come to Jesus. Everything is peaceful. No, but I'm telling you, peace with God, peace with God is what we're looking at. 
I'll help you with the number five when we get to that. But let me say something else about the absence of pain, not the absence of pain. The Scriptures talk about, in the New Testament, there, there's a, they're saying that the, even the earth groans. The earth is groaning for the time that God will restore all things and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The, the world groans. And, and if the world is groaning, how much more these fallen earth suits? We're going to groan. We're going to go through these things. Also, Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest teaching ever. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, he, he describes two builders. One built, wise man built upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon sand. And so he describes these two builders, but he says both builders go through storms. Just because you build on a rock doesn't mean you're going to have a storm. And that's the deal. We will go through storms of life. The, the, the deal is, is that we have this peace with God. There, w- there was a man by the name of Booth Tucker. Now, let me tell you his story right quick because this is, this is really um, helps, helps us walk out the pain that is there. Booth Tucker, he was called Booth Tucker. That wasn't his birth name, but, but he took on the name Booth because of, of the family he married into. Uh, William and Catherine Booth started what was called the Salvation Army. It was to go to the poor and the downtrodden and share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And, and Booth Tucker married the, uh, the Booth's daughter. And Booth Tucker was, um, was, he was from India originally, but he was ministering in Chicago. He was preaching in a chapel there in Chicago, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, talking about the sympathy of Christ. One man walked up to him after he was over and he pointed his finger at him. And he says, he said, it's easy for you to talk about the sympathy of Christ. But he said, I wonder if you would preach the same message if your wife had just died and your kids were saying, where is mom? We miss her. Man, Booth Tucker took that to heart. I mean, he walked out with a heavy burden knowing what this man was walking through. Only that history would show that in a few weeks later, Booth Tucker's wife, the daughter of, of uh, William and Catherine Booth, was killed in a train accident. And her funeral would take place at that same chapel in Chicago. And as they're there, Booth Tucker looks into this open casket of his bride that has been killed in the train accident. And he turns and addresses the people. And he says, a few weeks ago, he said, there was a man who came up to me and he said that you can talk about the sympathy of Christ, but if you were to walk through this. And basically he said, I don't know if that man here is here, but I can tell you this, Christ is sufficient. True story. I, I know some of you are going through crud, and I cannot stand up here and completely feel what you're feeling. I do feel it, but I don't feel it to near the capacity you do. And I wish I could get up here and say peace with God means there'll never be a problem again, but I can't say that. So, I, but, I, but if I'm a good pastor, I've got to tell you the truth, right? But there's number five. This is number five. Peace with God gives you His presence. Peace with God gives His presence. Notice in Romans chapter 5, down in verse 5, He says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us His very presence. In other words, you don't have to walk alone through this. He is with you. He is not only out here somewhere, some mystical being. He now indwells you. 
We're born again. We're new creations in Christ because of His Spirit indwelling us. And He is there. He is the perfect alongside of us, the advocate. He is our peace. And, and we can actually come, even in the midst of, of terrible, disjointed situations in life, and say like Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in spite of all that's going on because of His presence that is with me. Hear, hear me. You've got to hear this. And, I, and my heart can't say it hard enough. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what all you're going through, but I can tell you this. He has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. You've got a husband or a wife who's not a believer or is not, not close. He has not abandoned you. You're walking through health issues that you're thinking, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. He has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. How, how do you establish this peace? It's this. First of all, you've got to acknowledge there's a separation between you and God. You see, that's the hard part. Hear me. I've got to be truthful with you. We present the gospel this way sometimes. Don't you want to go to heaven when you die? We could go over here at kids' church today and say, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? Well, let us baptize you. Do you really think that's the gospel message? The gospel message is we're separated from God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All men. And the wages of that sin is death. We needed an advocate. So God took the initiative by sending Jesus. And, and we, we think, well, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then maybe God has to take me. No, we're all dead. Some of us are just good dead people and some are bad dead people. We're dead people. And we needed a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. That's the good news. But it begins with us addressing the fact that we are separated from God. And hear me, most of you in this room are contented Christians, you're gospel hardened. I share this and you're going, oh yeah, he's talking about this again. We've heard this a thousand times. What about your family members? What about your classmates? What about neighbors that don't know Christ? Do you care? Do we care? Are we so gospel hardened that we're saying, oh, he's just sharing the message. We've heard it a thousand times, blah, blah, blah. What about your neighbors? What about your classmates? Do we care? Do they know we care? We've got to come to the fact we were all separated. And it's because of what Jesus Christ, we put our trust in Him. One day, I can tell you, factual, Mark Westerfield will step out of this earth suit. I will, I will be gone. And one day, Christ is going to give me a new body. But he's going, to, he's going to create a new heaven and new earth. But one day I am going to be out of this body. I don't know when it's going to be. I'm not promised 90 years. I'm not promised, I'm not promised 70 years. I, I don't know. But one day I'm going to step out of here. And if, and, if, and if somehow I step into the presence of God and if he were to ask me, Mark, why should I let you into my kingdom? My only answer is Jesus Christ. My only answer. I have nothing else to rest on. I'm not that bad a guy, but my heart is totally deceitful within me. Jesus Christ is my only answer. And sometimes we wonder in our world, man, things, Mark, you, you mentioned so many things. It just seems like we're, it's just cruddy today. It just seems like there's so many things happening. Robert Louis Stevenson, the author, told a story of a group of people that were on a ship 
And, and the ship was getting battered tremendously. They weren't sure it was even going to make it. And, and everybody's down in the hole and, and they're wondering, are we going to survive this storm? And one of the guys makes his way up. He says, I'm going to go check on the crew and see what's going on. And he makes his way up out of the lower hole and he gets up there to where the, the steerman is at the wheel of the boat. And he gets up there and he notices that the steerman has actually tethered himself to the wheel. And when he sees this man that he comes up, the steerman looks over at him and he smiles. The man turned around and he went back down to the people below and he said, everything's going to be fine. I just saw the pilot and he smiled. I think the word for us today is if we were to look into the face of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on a day that seems kind of cruddy at times and see Him smile. To let let us all know that God is still in control. Peace with God gives us His presence. Let's pray.